0: It's time. It's here. I'm going to take an extended family time this morning. I'll get to the sermon in a little bit. But I want to talk to you about the vision that God has for this church and the vision that God has for your personal life. When we talk about the tipping point, some of you have, have read Gladwell's book, but whether or not you have, the tipping point is a, is a well-known um, phrase and concept that says there comes a time uh, in organizations or there comes a time in people's lives even, where they reach what's called a critical mass. That is, before this time, it, something's been building. It's, there, there's been a, a simple addition. And you can manage that. And you plan for that. But there comes a point, a tipping point. When it begins to go viral, it begins to go exponential. And you can't manage that. Because it's not about what you're doing anymore. It's about what's happening. And I believe that this church is that The ultimate tipping point. Now we've had two other in our history. We've had two other. And by the way, history is important. Family identity is important. Because just as God made each of you with a design, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And all your days were ordained when there was not yet one of them. Each of you has a life that God planned that cannot be replaced by any other life. So, too, each church has been created by God for a certain purpose that cannot be replaced by any other church. So it's important to know about our church. I'm going to tell you about this for a while. In a couple of weeks, I'll tell you about uh, something that's pretty amazing, kind of a prequel. Um, that shows that God had this in mind for a very long time. But let me tell you about when I first got to this church. When I first got to this church, it was was already an amazing church. It was amazing because it had just gone through a church split. People were walking wounded. There may be a couple hundred people. And you know how it is when you, you're torn up in your relationships. You've had broken relationships. And you're just, you're just, walking wounded but yet it was one of the most involved highly functional group of people I'd ever seen in my life they didn't call me down here in order to do ministry they called me down here for two purposes both of which I'm still doing they said we simply need someone to bring us the word of God every week and we need someone to shepherd us into the future that God has for us that's all I'm doing now. They said, we don't need people. We don't need somebody to counsel us. We can do that. We don't need somebody to go visit in a hospital. We can do that. We don't need somebody to you know, um, um, be our representatives or study for, we can do that. In other words, this church has always been about the ministry of the congregation, not professional people. The priesthood of all believers, that's the Reformation doctrine, took it seriously. Well, I was here several years and and we didn't grow Um, because God was merciful. Because when you've gone through a broken relationship, you need time to heal. You need time to rebuild trust. And so for three years, that's what we did. We loved on each other and we healed and we rebuilt trust. And then God knew he had a foundation that was solid enough to withstand growth. And so in essence, he called me away. Now you're gonna see a pattern here. Every time you seriously pray, God does something seriously remarkable. And so I I, I went away, I, I went to the elders and I said, I feel like God has something for us. But I keep putting it on, on call waiting because every time you know, I start to listen, you know um, something else happens and I gotta go attend to it. And, and so the elders said this to me, literally, go away and don't come back until you've heard from God. There was no time limit on this. I could have gone away for three years and, and I had no business coming back until I brought back what God was trying to say to us. And so I went away, literally Went to a mountain in Colorado, set on a, a mountain in Colorado. Yeah, I was in a condo, but still I was <clears throat> on the side of a mountain. Now when I get alone with God, I just talk out loud. I don't know, I don't know how you do it with God, but when you're in serious, I just I just and I I argue a little bit and I complain a little bit and I just talk out loud, you know. And one of the things I was arguing with him about, I said, how is it? I'd been a, a pastor at that point for Close to 20 years. I said, how is it that I can see people who have been Christians for like 30, 40 years, they're still totally immature. How is that possible? And this is what I heard, as good as I can hear God, and I can be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure this is what he said. He said, you train them to be that way. I was a little offended. I said, what do you mean? He said, think about it for a minute. He said, every week when they gather, you teach them three principles to live by out of the Bible, which I appreciate. Appreciate the Bible, use the Bible. But he said, then they come back next week and you give them three new spiritual principles. You know what you just said to them? I didn't actually expect you to apply those because I've got three new ones for you. And then in essence, he said, who can live by 150 new spiritual principles every year you have just said to them I don't expect them I don't expect you to really live these out in your life I just expect you to add to your your religious knowledge that's what keeps you immature spiritually stick on a topic long enough that it's woven into the character of my people and then you can proceed on to another one so I came back to the elders. I don't do anything, but the elders are the chief shepherds. And so I said, um, I think God just wants us to take like one topic, like for an entire year. And the elders said, you know, it, it, it could be kind of boring just to talk about one thing for an entire year, but that kind of sounds like God, so let's do it. So during that time, and some of you were here then We had a 10 year journey towards spiritual maturity. You remember this? We took one topic out of the Bible, one topic per year, faith, adversity, love, revelation, worship, salt and light. You remember these? One topic per year. During that time, we grew from around 300 to six or 7,000. We were one of the fastest growing uh, uh, churches in the nation. Do you know why? Because people's lives changed. People don't care about religious knowledge. But when your life changes, man, people are attracted. Well, what's, what's happening there? Now, that was, so that was the first watershed moment. We were obedient to God then. Here comes the second watershed moment, second tipping point. So we're this huge church now. God calls me away again. We're a mega church. You've heard that term, mega church. So God says, okay, so you're a mega church. Now you've got a choice. And this is in the late 1990s. Now you've got a choice. He said, you can stay a mega church. I won't hate you. It's okay. You've you've built a wonderful organization. Everything's good so far. You've you've hired a wonderful staff so that you wouldn't fall apart. Terrific. But I want you to understand the nature of a large organization. The nature of a large organization is, number one, not to rely on the congregation, but to rely on professionals. Rely on the staff. That's not why I built Northland. That's not how I fund. That's not the DNA of Northland. Number two, the nature of our organization is to provide services. And all megachurches have this menu, you know, where you come to a church and you go, wow, well, I just, I need this for my family, they provide this for my family, they provide this for my family. So, but what you have with a menu is cafeteria Christians. And they come and they decide what they want that feeds them. So you basically have built a group of consumers, not a group of ministers. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to decide you're gonna distribute the church into their everyday lives. I want everybody to regain a sense, no, I'm the minister in my relationships. That's why God gave me the relationships he gave me. I'm the responsible one, spiritually, and that will mature my people. And so we, we prayed and we started to develop, the church distributed. And for 15 years, this thing has been gestating. You know, when something's big, it takes a long time to gestate. Rabbits just pop out more rabbits, elephants, Two years so last summer God called me away again and this is what he says basically what I just said to you it's time it's here when you go back watch what I do and so I came back And I began to see the rapid multiplication of personal churches as well as big churches. I began to see um, um, this network that God was creating. The Central Florida network, you know, you have hubs. There's a hub in Longwood, there's a hub in Oviedo, there's a hub in Lake County. You know what a hub is? A hub is a resource that helps personal forms of the church prosper so that you can have a relational church as well as a big church. Remember what I talked to you about last week, big church, personal church. God wants us to have both. Then in the last year, God has planted. We have not planted one of these, but these groups under the guidance of the Holy Spirit have just been popping up. We've planted 60 distributed churches in Central Florida just in the last year. Again, no strategy of ours. This is what God has done in the last year. This this is what God's doing. We work with seven correctional facilities. They are planting the church in unique ways in these correctional facilities in a way it never has been before. They gather with us for worship, but then they go back to the pods. And they form the church to disciple each other in order to multiply the church. There are more conversations happening right now. You see the black dots, you can just barely see them. There are more conversations happening right now that we can possibly count just in central Florida. Hundreds of forms of the personal church are being planted Because God's spirit is on the move. Now let's go beyond here. What about what God's doing all over the world? Well, to our utter amazement, huge organizations are coming to us. Church planting organizations. Evangelical organizations. And they're saying, will you partner with us to plant the distributed church? To plant the church. They may not call it the distributed church. That's what we call it. But there are distributed training centers. Now, a distributed training center is simply a network. It's not a building. We're done with buildings. It's a a network of leaders who are being resourced to multiply disciples and plant churches in their context. That's what, that's what a distributed training network is. And so we have 4 that are up and going like gangbusters right now. One in Orlando, one in South Africa, one in Haiti, and one in Cuba. We just got a team back from Cuba. The 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 church in you know, they said practically everyone is struggling in in, in Cuba, not the church. The church is exploding in Cuba. And so and so we also have people who are kind of standing in a queue, standing in a line. We have in development the, these, these, these church planting, they're just getting started, but, but, but they're already in partnership with us. And they're in Uganda, and they're in Egypt, and they're in Ukraine, and they're in Sri Lanka, and they're in Honduras, and they're in Swaziland, and, and they're in Brazil, and they're in New Mexico. By the way, I want to tell you, this is a national movement. This is not just a a global movement or a local or regional movement. The largest church house church organization, house to house, 100,000 house churches came to me soon after I got back from the last time I was with the Lord. And they said, we believe the house church is stalled. Can we partner with the distributed church? Can we do house churches with you? And so this is a national movement as well. And then we have people who are coming to us in initial conversations, multiple initial conversations, who say, we think you're our future partner. And these are in discovery, and they're in China, and they're in South Korea, and they're in Mexico, and they're in Nigeria, and they're in India, and they're in Russia, and they're in Pakistan, and they're in Indonesia, and they're in the Philippines, and they're in Argentina. And multiple they're in the queue this is nothing we have done to arrange this this is what God is doing and God is bringing the world to us and God is saying I had this plan and you're central to it now I'm asking you will you respond do you understand how the world will be run to one to Christ Let me me take off a pattern of what we just did. Let me tell you how the world will not be one to Christ. The world will not be one to Christ by trying to herd people into Christian events, Christian crusades, and Christian buildings. Ain't going to happen. This millennial generation is going to be one to Christ by that in our own country. It's only when you form the church in the context of relationships people already have That the world can be run to Christ through relationships. That's the goal here. That's God's vision. He told me that 15 years ago. Some of you have seen that before now as well. So, what does God expect us to do? What does God want us to do in response to this? Well, here's the cool part. Just take your next step. That's all God ever asks you to do. He didn't ask you to, by the way, comprehend all of this in one presentation. We'll be talking about this for years to come. And, 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 and many of you aren't going to get this the first time you go, whoa, it's so overwhelming. That's totally all right. There's a Hallmark series I love. Of course, I, I watch Hallmark movies all the time. Uh, mostly, well, never mind. Anyway, there's, there's one called Love Comes Softly. There's a series, movie, Love Comes Softly. This will come softly. This will come softly. Although those hubs, those, those distributed churches I just talked about, that's you. There are a thousand of you that are early early adopters. There are a thousand of you that are already in distributed churches. You have your big church here, you have your distributed church out, that's us, okay? So, so there are many who are already doing this, kind of the early adopters. But for the rest of us, it'll come softly. And all God expects us to do is to take the next step in our giving journey. I'm gonna talk about money in a minute. Hold on. Oh, I knew he'd get to money. Good, because I'm getting to money. This is about, I, I talked to you last week, time, talent, and treasure. All three, but I, want, but I want to talk about the treasure part just so that you can see something here. This is really important. Our goal is that everyone would be involved in what God is doing. That's always been our goal. Everyone with every area of their life would respond to what God is doing. Because this is about you and the Lord walking together. And so, let me tell you the condition we have right now, not just of of, treasure but of time and talent there are a whole lot of people who are part of our church family who come every once in a while get fed every once in a while but they really don't give their time or their talent or their treasure they just haven't given yet we love having you here but we're not interested in building more consumer christians god's not interested in that What we want is for everybody to find a way to take their next step of involvement. And when it comes to finances, here's here's what what we're gonna do. We're gonna ask all of you who are not yet giving, and there are a number of you, at least we have no indication that you're giving yet, just to take the first step and start giving. The amount you give is not nearly as important as the act of giving, the act of saying, God, I wanna give back to you. You've given me everything I have. I wanna give back to you. And if you are giving right now, let us know about it because we're going for everybody being a part of this. That's really important because we want us all to practice trust in God. And there's a part of you that will not trust him if you withhold your wallet. You just won't, all right? And so, start giving if you're not giving. For those of you who are already giving and you're giving occasionally. You know, there's some people who say, boy, that's a pretty good sermon. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, post, I'm gonna toss 20 bucks in an offering box. Well, good, you know. But we want, to start, we want you to start giving consistently. For those of you who are giving occasionally, we'd like for you to give consistently. To develop the mentality that everything God gives me I want to give him part of it back in order to recognize it's a gift from him, in order to participate in what he's doing and be part of what he's doing. And so it's a consistent, it's just a a matter of of getting the right mentality here. With everything I have, I want to partner with God. For those of you who are giving consistently, we're going to challenge you to tithe. Tithe means tenth. And, and God gives us this just as a basic standard of giving because <clears throat> not only does it, does it um, um, bless so many people. The tithe, remember in Malachi it says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. This is a storehouse. The storehouse was also a distribution center. That's what it was. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Now watch this. And see if I do not open the windows of heaven for you God asks us to tithe not because he needs our money by the way when I'm talking about money we're doing great here we're in the strongest financial position as a church that we have been in a decade so this is not a, a, a about desperation this is about preparation all right? So this is, this is how to be involved with God. This is not because we're, 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 we're you know, pleading for your money. God, God wants you. That's what money's all about. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. And if your treasure isn't there, your heart's not going to be there. That's what Jesus said. So anyhow, tithing. And then for those of you who are tithing, just have fun extravagant giving just you know when you when you're tithing it's just it's just so much fun to see what God does and you you just you just have fun in giving it away the Bible has a phrase give hilariously now some people have tried to replace that with the principle of tithing say tithing is no place in the New Testament of course it is Jesus mentioned it You know, this tithe you ought to have done but without neglecting these other things. And and the the gift hilariously comes in the middle of a plea for a special offering, doesn't replace the tithe. But God wants us to have the joy of just blessing people. And so our goal is is that everyone in the congregation would participate, Uh, more than a specific dollar amount. It's that each person would seek God and respond to Him in taking the next step of their giving and then also their living. Now, if we do that, where's the money going to go? Where's the money going to go? Because there's going to be extra money. Well, to fund what God, the vision God has given us. We want it in the next two years, we just, we're, good, we're looking two years out. We, if we, we can't see any further than two years. We just know what we have to take care of the next two years. If you can see further than the next two years, you start building a plan. And, and this isn't about our plans, this is about God's movement and responding to God. So I don't know what this is gonna look like in five years. I just know God's on the move and I'm in. That's all I know. And I hope you're in too. But what we'd like to do is we'd like to take $3 million in the next two years and resource these distributed church networks for church planting in the United States and all over the world. Um, and, and we will give you a list of, of where that, where that, uh, um, that funding is going. We need it for training materials. We just got back from Egypt and we took our kids' curriculum because they don't have kids' curriculum in Egypt. Egypt is a persecuted church. And, the, and we could give it to them and it was turnkey because the children's curriculum was already translated into Arabic. So it was like, oh good, we can use this next week. That costs money. It, um, uh, translation, um, technology infrastructure. Many parts of the world aren't, aren't on the internet yet and we want to show them how to get there so that they can be trained without traveling in-country training conferences. This is not about the West. This is not about Northland. This is about what is in context for them. And we may need to uh, support some key financial indigenous leaders and travel uh, for training and so on and so forth periodically, but that's not much money. This is just what we know to do for the next ones in the queue, okay? Next, in the queue, we want, to, we want to pay off our debt. And I'll tell you why. This, this building cost 43 million bucks. We got 14 million left on it. And again, we're doing great. We're paying, you know, pay, paying a little ahead every time and so on and so forth. And, 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 and so no pressure. But, and some of you business people have said, and this is very correct when it comes to business, why would you want to pay this off ahead of time? I mean, this is cheap money. We got a very low interest rate here, you know? Take the money and spend it. You know, we can just, you know, leverage the, 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 the debt. Well, I recognize that business wise, that's very smart to do in business. And many of you have a leveraged debt for certain investment in business that's a very smart thing to do. Let me tell you where the church is different than business. There is a spiritual bondage that comes with that. Spiritual bondage. The Bible says the borrower is slave to the lender. I do not want our church to be in bondage. I've heard in the elders' meetings, we have very responsible elders, and you've got to keep a certain reserve for the bank that you owe 14 million dollars in order for them to be comfortable. And I've heard requests come to us and someone will say, well, how much do we, how much have we got in the bank? How much, how much do we need to... That should never enter into a conversation. What should enter into that conversation is, is God asking it? Have we got it? Is this what God wants us to do? You see, I don't want us to be in spiritual bondage. I don't want the church to say to you, you know, you got to get out of debt or don't go into consumer debt or, you know, and be in debt ourselves. That's a really dumb idea. And I want for every one of us to know that as we do this, a million more dollars a year will be poured into the vision of God instead of into a bank with interest rates is just a way better use of our money. We can do this. We can do this. And then of course, the last part is our operating uh, costs right now. And that's, this is what we're already giving. We probably should've chose a color different than red for this because it looks like we're, you know, that behind. No, we're not. This is what we're, we're already giving this right now. All right, and, and, and thank you. And what you're doing is making such a difference in people's lives. People are being saved, marriages are being healed, a community is being, um, um, I mean, changed, transformed. This church is, and, and, and what we have with existing ministries, none of these are going away. If you've got something that's feeding you spiritually, great, we're gonna keep the classes, nobody needs to stop coming to big church, If you know? It's just what God wants us to build, as a, as a resource for what he's doing in the world. So if you total all this up, it, it equals $40 million over two years or 20 million bucks a year. Um, and, and that's it's just a number though. I mean, the, the number is not important. Let me tell you something. If 30% of you, wherever you are, and I'm talking to online people just as much as we church distributed. If 30% of you stepped up and you committed to $50 million, we would have felt like we totally failed because that doesn't get everybody involved. If 100% of us step up and we come up with 30 million bucks, we've succeeded because the goal is everyone together is involved. We're doing this together. And as I will tell you all the way along, as we do this together, you will not only see why we were created as a church, you will see why you were created as you were as a follower of Christ. What your place is in the big plan of God that is irreplaceable, that no one else can do. You will discover your spiritual identity and it's only in following God with other Christians that you do that. And so, October 31st, um, we'll, we'll hand out cards and just say, what do you think God will have you do in the next couple of years? Um, you don't have to wait for October 31st to start giving. Please don't. Um, but, but if you need more information, because a lot of questions are coming up, just go to northernchurch.net slash, uh, what is it? Uh, tipping Point. Tipping point. Got a whole lot of questions answered there. But I want you to see this. It's time. God's gonna do something remarkable with this church. All of us have been made for just such a time as this. And I'm pretty excited. I gotta tell you, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous talking about this. I'm nervous, good nervous. I'm nervous like when I got in the car in Indiana and drove with my family down here. It's that kind of nervous. I don't know exactly what this is gonna turn out like, but I know God and I know I don't have to know. So it's a good nervous. Now, I want, to watch, I want you to see this video and then I'm gonna preach a very short sermon. Uh, but this is Matt and Kaylee Shiles. We're gonna, we're gonna have more and more videos for you and more and more testimonies because here, here, here's something else. else uh, the measuring, the metrics of a, of a distributed church is not nickels and noses. It's about people's lives. It's about people's stories. It's about changed lives. That's how you measure how the church is doing. So I want you to just see this, and then I'm gonna come back and and preach a word for you.
1: In preparation for marriage recently, we were able to do our first budget together to um, prepare, to combine our resources. And it was really exciting and it was really freeing to put the tithe first and to put God first. We're the future Matt and Kaylee Shiles and I've been attending Northland about 10 years.
2: And I've been attending Northland about 13 years. So I started attending Northland when I was in 8th grade and I actually just asked my mom to drop me off one day because I heard that they had a great youth program and I was really drawn to that and so I got involved um, my ninth grade year with leadership and then in college I joined the worship team um, and have been involved in that um, way ever since.
1: I started attending uh, Northland right after college. I was away in Virginia and my parents started going to Northland and my junior, senior year of college I would come home and and visit them and go to Northland with them and just fell in love with it. And after I left college I had $39,000 of debt and a year after I was able to pay off $39,000 and uh, really from there I've had a passion for financial literacy. I was asked to lead a college-age and young adult class and because I was so passionate about it, I just jumped at the opportunity.
2: Um, I had heard about this you know financial peace class that was happening and a super cute boy was teaching it and uh, I decided that I needed, I desperately needed help with my finances and it just really changed my mindset about spending and saving and how money interacts with our daily life.
1: To be able to agree on religion and money, it's really helped to have that common thread and something we really agree on and that became you know one of our foundations was just to be able to talk about it and have those tough conversations but we uh, We learned that one of the most fun ways you'll have with money is uh, to give it away. In preparation for marriage recently, we were able to do our first budget together to um, prepare, to combine our resources. And it was really exciting and it was really freeing to put the tithe first and to put God first.
2: Coming together being like, where is our main focus gonna be? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and making that the church and making that tithing and then above and beyond is wonderful.
1: We feel like the key to tithing moving forward will be communication and having um, God first and going back to the budget and making sure that we are being intentional weekly and monthly. It allows us to sit down, look at each other and say, hey, we want to put God first by tithing. And it allows us to really notice his blessings, and and we just notice them in in so many different ways when we are more intentional about where we're giving our money. Starting to give can be a daunting task, but you'll find that once you just start, the walls come down, and it's not about the amounts. God just wants your heart. So it's a very powerful thing when when you start to give. It is my honor and blessing to be able to pronounce you husband and wife. Matthew, the moment you've been waiting for, you may kiss your bride. (laughs)
0: They're a wonderful couple, and they're a wonderful example of people who are starting life by prioritizing God, some of us are just just now discovering what that means. Let me read to you a scripture from John 15, 16, because I wanna keep coming back to this theme. God made you for a purpose. Most of you don't know what that purpose is, but God wants you to know. We have a revealing God he takes the initiative to reveal um, um, what suits his plan. And so here's, I want you just to, to, to hear this scripture from me. This is John 15, 16. And it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Uh, and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask now I, I want I, we're going to keep con- we're going to continue to dwell on the necessity of prayer and let me tell you what prayer is there's only a small portion of prayer that is asking God for stuff that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a truncated version of prayer prayer in itself is giving yourself to God so that He may lead your whole life. That's the dynamic of prayer. Whatever you ask of the Father in my name, in my nature, that's what it means, that that, that, as you're being conformed to me, He may give you. Now, a couple of things I just want to I want to I want to just prepare us as we as we go into this whole how do I hear from God? how do I respond to God series. All right? First thing is I want us all to stop jumping to conclusions. I want us all to stop with the necessity of having to arrive at clarity for our lives sooner than God reveals what he wants. Have you ever been around somebody who just had a habit of trying to complete your sentences before you got them done? I mean, you pause just for a second and they'll put in a phrase, you know, just to complete your sentence. It's irritating, isn't it? I mean, even if they're right, you just go, Would you let me talk? I mean, that's what you feel like. Would you let me talk? Even if they get there before you do, it's still irritating. I wonder if God isn't a little irritated with us. When we jump to the conclusion, well, God, I know this is what you want. God's saying, no, wait, wait, wait. Wait. What I want is for us to walk together. What I want is not... For it to be about solutions or who was right first or 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 what is to be done. What I want is just to walk with you and talk with you, but you need to let me finish. The second thing that's important is to understand this is about what God has planned for us, not what we have planned for God. In Ephesians 2:10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Every person who is listening to my voice right now, God has a plan for your life. It was, it was, it was set into, into, into um, 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 his plan before the foundation of the world. You're not anonymous to God. He made you like you are for a reason. You have been through what you have been through for a reason and it's to know why you're still here. Because if your purpose were were done, he'd take you out in in a heartbeat, in a New York minute, buddy, you'd be gone. So you still have a purpose. Do you know what that purpose is? See, I know my purpose. I know why I was made like I was. I know why I've been through what I had been through. And I know what my job is as I remain here. I want every one of you to be just as confident and just as fulfilled, because that's what God wants us to know. We'll function according to the spirit much better. And so it says, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Second thing, second principle, this, you got to ask yourself, is this about my agenda or is this about God's agenda? Is this about my agenda or is this about God's agenda? Who do we really want to encourage in a relationship? Let me, let me give you an example. Let's say you've got a daughter that's of the age where she can date, like 30. All right. And let's say, you know, men start coming around the house and you say, why do you want to date my daughter? And one of, one of those guys says, well, she makes me feel good. I mean, I mean. Every time I yell at her, she forgives me, and you know, whenever I'm broke, she slips me a little money, you know, and she keeps rescuing me out of the stuff I get in, and 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 she's she's pretty, so it's kind of arm candy, you know, she kind of improves my social status and 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 how many of you really want to encourage that relationship? Man, I'd be yelling at her, run! But what if you talk to a guy and he says, are you kidding me? This is the most wonderful person that God ever put on the face of the earth. Don't you know that? Oh, my goodness. Anybody would have to be crazy not to want to date her. I mean, she's smart and she's funny and she's always thinking about others. I'm just hoping I don't drag her down. I mean, I just, just to be in her presence is such a privilege. And I wanna do everything I can to encourage her because she makes me wanna be a better man. Now you got a candidate. Let's bump this up a notch. Why do you believe in God? Why do you want to follow God? Well, cause he makes me feel good. He forgives me when I sin. And you know, he rescues me from my distress. And, 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 and it's just, you know, it's better. Even though there's some persecution coming in this country, especially for Christians who, who really mean what they say, it's just better, it's more, more socially acceptable to, to, to be a believer, you know? That you meet a lot of nicer people. Well, that's okay. And all of it's true. But that's about your agenda. Why do you want to follow God? Are you kidding me? It's God. He made the universe. And he chose me. I can't believe that he would die for me. I can't believe he knit me together in my mother's womb. I can't believe he has a plan for my life. I just hope I don't embarrass him too much. Who wouldn't want to follow God? <laughs> now you got a candidate. Now you got a disciple. Prayer is about getting on God's agenda. Prayer is about asking how we can accomplish the purposes of God, watch this, that he made my life for. Because you are an invaluable part of God's purpose. Your life isn't about you, it's about those around you, it's about what he wants to see done in the world and it is very personal you know i keep going back oh gosh i'm out of time hey come back next week you know uh well, let me just do this one more thing I, I i'm sorry we still haven't got the timing down on this this you remember when the angel gabriel came to mary in her room you know this is in in, in Luke. This is in the christmas story and angel gabriel comes in and he says hail O favored one And she's all, what? (laughs) Because if the angel comes in your room, you better be all, what? (laughs) She was deeply troubled as to what kind of salutation this might be. That's what the Bible says. I love that. And then he says, in essence, the world's going to be saved through you. The world's going to be saved through you. He said, you're gonna have a baby and he will be the son of God. Now, there's two ways you can do this. When God comes to you, you can be immediately submissive. You know, you had me at hello. Becky and I had a dog one time, the name is Shelby. And she was a sweetest little dog. Never, I mean, anybody who came in the house She'd just whack, and then she'd roll over lay on her back, and just go, scratch my stomach. You know? I'm, I'm totally vulnerable. I'm totally open. I totally trust you. If we'd had burglars break into the house, she would have gone into the room. She'd scratch my belly. I don't care. I don't care who you are. What you, you, know. Well, that's, that's great, but there aren't very many people like that when it comes to God. They're more like Mary, who was a very intelligent young girl. She was in, but she wanted to know how God was gonna do it. She said, how can this be? I'm a virgin. Do you remember what Gabriel said? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's gonna overshadow you. When we're looking at our future, when we're looking at your future, You're gonna be seeing things that are so amazing. You're gonna be saying, how can this be? We're just this little group of folks, one spot in the world. How can this be that you would use me for what you're gonna do in my life when I've got so many flaws, so many sins, so many places where I just fall short? How can this be? Same answer. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and overshadow you and call out from you the greatness that God still has in this world to praise him. Please stand and let me pray for us. God, we come to you not asking for anything except that you would use us according to your plan, for your purposes, to the glory of your son and to the fulfillment of what you had in mind when you made each one of us and then brought us together in both the big church of Northland and the personal churches that you are forming among us. We have no capabilities to achieve spiritual greatness, but you have every capability to work through us, to call people to yourself, to heal their lives, to help them serve others. And so we ask that you would use us in those particular ways and help us to see as we walk step by step your greatness and your glory in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you're in this room before you head out, let me remind you of a couple of things. We have a prayer team up front. We would love to have you Come pray if you, if you want to do that. In the hub, they're going to be talking about hospital visitation. Uh, if you have a heart to visit folks in the hospital, we want to train you to do that. Sam Certo's leadership class, You know he was, a, he was the head of Crummer School of Business at Rollins College for years. He was the dean. Uh, so he knows a little bit about business and training leaders for business. Um, and then in our foyer, domestic violence. It is rife in our community. And some of you have a heart for that. So stop and talk to them and see how you can help. Online ministers, Bill Gary and Nathan Clark. Let's go out this week. Love Jesus. Come back next week. He'll teach us more. But he'll change our lives as he does it. Amen.